but let's kick it off. Welcome back to Treadmill Talk, episode 29. Appreciate you guys. It's getting darker and darker in here, so if I look yellow, it's because it's so dark outside. But uh, appreciate you guys coming back. This episode is going to be quick and to the point. We had a great guest on last weekend, um, last week, excuse me, and we touched on a lot of good points. We had some extra uh, questions that I want to address that we didn't have the chance to address in that live. So I'm just going to use this segment to address some of those questions, which were kind of over all over the place, but more important that the audience gets those questions addressed. Um, the goal here is to obviously, if you have questions throughout the week or whatever, just obviously be sure to pass them. I want to address them as many as I can or as many times as I can, even if we've talked about it on a previous episode and whatnot. Um, but one of the questions that we uh, received last week uh, for our guests, but I'll answer today, was uh, what makes high intensity workouts so popular and how can people benefit from using them? Uh, this was specific to last week because we had Danny on and she was communicating a little bit more about the group fitness and working with athletes. And sometimes working with athletes, high intensity workout, it's usually synonymous uh, based on somebody's perspective of it. But as general population start to get more attuned to workouts and different programs and different methodologies of working out um, and different approaches, high intensity definitely uh, has its room in the space. Uh, depending on how you want to dose it, what you want to use it for, and how it helps the other aspects of your fitness. So high intensity in general has the ability to increase a lot of different things from strength, uh, obviously cardiovascular endurance, and can improve other things such as your um, aesthetic, right, depending on why you're working out and for what kind of workouts you're doing with high intensity with respect to high intensity, shall I say. But I don't believe that it's something that, that should be the premise of your only training, right? That should not be the level at which you train consistently. Uh, just because of the intensity, right? There's a level of learning how to throttle down and or work at a different speed, so on and so forth. So there's a portion of like when we're working out, it's great to have, you can have it in multiple times during your week, uh, but I don't believe that it's an everyday approach to your workouts. So high intensity is combining, obviously, different movements, different aspects of fitness, gymnastics, weightlifting, cardio, um, and putting it together in a way that, obviously, the sole basis is getting intensity behind that, whether that's for reps, for a score, a uh, certain time, you know, all these different metrics that you can definitely use to base that workout. That can be dosed with specific rest times, that can be dosed with specific breaks for a specific amount of duration, but it all depends on what that program is doing. Some examples of HIT style workouts that we know uh, that are common are like the F45s, the Barry Boot Camps of the world. Like those group fitness elements are based around and programmed around high intensity kind of interval stuff. Um, but then you can do it in your own gym right, or your own facility or within your own programming by using multiple different uh, things in the gym, right, such as a treadmill, a bike, uh, burpees, putting stuff over your head, lifting heavier weights. So it's great for those people who want to develop on a general sense 
because it kind of fills a lot of buckets and also, like I said, gives you different stimulus and it's adding to your overall fitness bank account. So it's efficient for improving obviously cardiovascular health and building endurance, but I don't believe that it's something that should be the sole and primary focus of your training program and regimen. So for this person specifically, they were asking how good is it to be doing you know, five days a week, which they're doing like an Orange Theory. Uh, it's great if net-net you're doing nothing, or, and, and that's the alternative, but for how long will you continue to do that? Uh, that is not something that I suggest you do for the long term, okay? I want you to army crawl next time. <laughs> uh, next, ne next question was, uh, someone was asking, like, what's the buzz around this, I guess it's a thing, um, like mindful movement, right? And understanding like how that can enhance someone's well-being and how it applies to fitness. I had to look into it because I didn't know if it was called a different thing, but mindful movement is like the, I guess the term that's being used now in the industry. But my interpretation of it is like just being more aware of when you're working out. Mindful movement can be any form of movement, but the idea of doing it with intention and being more mindful throughout your movement, whether that be a flow type workout with a kettlebell or um, some kind of yoga flow where you're just kind of moving and it's all body weight. But it could also be any type of movement that you do that you just want to think more of, right? So if I'm trying to develop mind-muscle connection, really feel my pecs on a press, or really feel my glutes on a step up, all movement can be mindful movement. It depends on like what your trying to get out of it, right? So doing things with intention, I believe is beneficial for all, right? Because it does allow you to make things harder without actually making them harder, right? So I can grab a two and a half pound dumbbell and I can make a bicep curl extremely difficult. That won't do a lot for building muscle, but I can make it intense by just thinking about it a lot more, squeezing a lot more, moving a little bit slower, but again, it just builds that connection to my muscle. So this way, when I do start to lift for volume or I do start to lift um, for like a different training, such as high intensity, I can think more about what I'm trying to accomplish. So this mindful movement, <laughs> that should be the standard. You should be thinking about what you're doing, doing it with an intent. Sometimes when we get into the realm of fitness, especially if you outsource it to group fitness or a trainer or a coach or some other kind of group class, it's very easy to become passive and be almost a passive observer. And although that can be good when you don't want to think about, you know, suffering through a workout per se, you kind of miss the opportunity sometimes when it comes to like, hey, how can I connect with my muscles a lot better? How can I connect with my breathing a lot better and, and do these movements with intention? So, I believe mindful movement should just be something that is more of a standard in your approach. Always be thinking about what the hell am I doing in this moment, right? So that will be answering my question for that. This one we talked about before, um, just trying to dive right in to it uh, like we did before, but someone was asking uh, about wearable tech and devices and how can it help their goals and how to know which one to look for or how to know which one to select and by knowing what to look for. Um, 
it depends on what you believe the information will do for you, um, what you believe is on the other side of that information. Like, will it help you get better sleep? Will it help you become more aware of how much water you do or don't drink? Uh, would it help you understand your basic metrics such as my resting heart rate, my breaths per minute, my skin temperature, uh, my sleep patterns? Like, so it depends on what information you care about when selecting a wearable uh, device and item. I would start there. What, uh, what information is important for me to know? So I know when wearables became a thing, we were just trying to get people to move more and therefore getting people to move more, the first thing that we would prescribe is like a Fitbit because it counted your steps. And you're like, all right, that's what we care about right now. We care that you move more. How can we track that? Hey, just get this little Fitbit. You plug it on your pants, you wear it on your wrist, whatever the case may be, and that's the data we care about. Now, you might evolve in your fitness, right, where the step count is no longer your limiting factor that you're trying to overcome, i.e. 12,000 steps, 15,000 steps, whatever you get in is now easy to the point where you don't have to worry about counting it. But you might be at a level in your fitness where you're just not recovering. Your body aches. Uh, you feel like you're not getting stronger. Um, there's just a lot of things that aren't adding up with the amount of effort that you're putting in. So you may look into a device that is gonna track your sleep better, right? Or something that's gonna tell you a little bit more information about how well is your recovery, right? How good of a job are, is your body actually doing at recovering? And what are the things, potentially environmental uh, or lifestyle, that are affecting your ability to sleep and i.e. your ability to recover? So, comes back to the idea of what information do you care to know? Um, with that, then you can zoom in on which device is the best for me. Um, I would suggest something that is specified in doing that thing that you want to know. So not to be too biased, but I use the Whoop, which tells me about my sleep, my recovery, my stress levels, keeps a diary about hydration, all this fun stuff. It obviously works on my sleep and it tells me about that, but you know, some people would ask, well, why do you have an Apple Watch? It tells you about your sleep as well. Well, your Apple Watch also tells you about your emails, your text messages, changes your music, so it does a lot more things. I'm not saying Apple is not the goat <laughs> in terms of technology, but uh, Whoop's job is only to measure and track this stuff. It's a 24-7 wearable device. So I will go with something that predominantly does that, right? So therefore, I can make no mistake about it and be like, this is the data that I care most about, not something that does maybe 60, 70% best effort of the field. And I also don't care that I'm wearing two things. Some people do, so therefore they choose one or the other. So that would be my um, recommendation to you is, first thing about what information you care about and you care to know, what's on the other side of that? Is it a workout thing or is it an aesthetic thing? Is it a lifestyle thing that you care to track? And then try and find the device that zooms in and says it does that really, really well. So I would go with that. Um, plant-based diets and nutrition. So we were talking last week about athletes specifically and why they have a hard time with nutrition. So I believe that's why this question kind of came up. So what was the shift towards plant-based diets? And someone was asking, how can I transition to a more plant-focused plant nutrition plan? Well, I think the driving shift towards plant-based diets in general, although some people can definitely be dogmatic and very polarizing in their thought, like, 
you know, you got to eat more grass and lettuce because meat is bad. Well, because that's very demonizing and that's just a, that's, that's what works for them and that's okay. But the science doesn't always support that. The research doesn't support that either. Um, and plus some of the things that you get from a plant-based diet, uh, from, yeah, plant-based diet, you just miss out on when you're not eating, you know, lean meats and fish and all that other stuff as well, specifically to protein. Um, but that's not to get too nuanced. Where I think the lean towards uh, plant-based diets come into play is specifically making people more aware about what the hell they're eating, right? So uh, it's not that they want to eat more shreds of lettuce, right? And it's not that they want to just walk around eating tomatoes like they're apples. That's a bad example because the tomato's a fruit, right? All right, you get the point. But, uh, but it's not the point of just eating vegetables and eating greens all the time and stuff like that. It's just basically becoming more aware of what I'm eating. And because these things are, uh, these plants and all, uh, all the vegetables that we eat, high in fiber, uh, high in volume basically, make you feel fuller uh, for longer as opposed to something that's not as fulfilling, uh, it becomes me, it puts it back on me of saying like, hey, as the consumer and as the person that wants to create a plan, I should incorporate these things because they are, they are making me more aware about what the composition of my plate look like and obviously how these things that I do eat make me feel, right? So it is important to understand the overall awareness of being plant-based or being focused in that sense. Um, there's obviously a bunch of like health benefits with eating more vegetables. I think you know, society as a whole can benefit from eating more vegetables and more fruits and stuff like that uh, and staying away from, I don't want to call it just processed things, but things that don't have the same nutritional impact right, or benefits. Right? So that would be my take on answering that question is like the shift should make you more aware about the things that you're not currently doing. I don't think you need to go full-blown I'm never eating meat again or anything like that, but it should make you more aware of like, hey, what's the composition of my plate? How can I incorporate more greens, leaves, you know, colors into my diet on a more consistent basis, not just simply when I eat the salad and I'm good or I try and check that box, right? Uh, last question that we got was, how can uh, virtual and online fitness options enhance their workout? Someone doesn't have the luxury or option um, to work out with a personal trainer and or work out in a group setting because of the, the times in which they're, you know, their schedule. I definitely think that it can enhance, but you have to know what, what you want out of it, right? Because finding online programs specifically tailored to what you want to do is very hard, but you will find online programs that kind of apply to the general population of people like you and what you want to do, i.e., I want to become a runner, uh, we'll do couch to, couch to 5K, right? That's a general consensus of how to get from the couch and run. Uh, I want to be a little bit more of a runner, I'll check out the Nike Run app, right? Like, there's a lot of programs like that, but like, if you're out here trying to break the marathon record, none of those two things apply to you, right, as, as this high-level or want-to-be-high-level athlete, right? Or specify to you. So finding the program that works best for you, not being too nuanced in your expectations of that. Second part is like the implementation. Is it the proxy of an app or an online fitness thing 
or YouTube program um, that you need, or is it just you don't have anything else to do and you need something to follow, right? Because that might be it as well, because we all know Google can do that, and now with AI, AI can do that, right? So we have to find out what is going to serve you best when you decide what I'm doing, right? The implementation, how am I going to effectively do that and do that consistently and or do that for longer than I would typically do it. So I think that you can find something that obviously works with your convenience, find something that is filling a lot of or checking a lot of the boxes that matter to you, right? Either it's from consistent programming or you'd want to do more cardio-based things or more abdominal-based things or you want to incorporate running or high intensity. You have to find out what those things are important to you and then you can kind of filter down, hey, these are the programs that I should do. You shouldn't choose something because it's a fad or because some celebrity or Instagram influencer stamped and put their recommendation on because if it doesn't net net apply to you, you're just going to end up disgruntled and or having a bad taste in your mouth about online fitness and, and how it could actually benefit you. So my suggestion would be to figure out like, what do you want out of it? You can definitely find a program that works for you uh, in some way, shape or form. Uh, and if not, if you want to be a little bit more nuanced on some recommendations, I could obviously point those out to you. Just feel free to message me back on that. Um, but they definitely play a good role, right? The platforms that exist and the ones that are coming out literally daily, weekly, monthly uh, can all play a role. If they do their job and get people off the couch, I'm all for it. But I don't like the ones that are too uh, dogmatic and too specific, like you building your butt in six weeks kind of stuff or abs in eight weeks and stuff like that. Like, we got to be a little bit uh, suspect about those, in my opinion. But that was it for the questions. It was a short Q&A. Whoa, what we got? How often are you supposed to uh, hit PRs? And how intense should you go when you're not so, so the question is, how often are you supposed to hit PRs? And then how intense should you go when you're not hitting PRs? OK, so the question, like, think about it. Uh, as a calendar stands, right? Like you work out three, four, five times a week, I imagine, and you might revisit that body part on a week-to-week -week basis, sometimes twice within that week, right? There's a certain stimulus and response that you get from your body. Every day is not a max out day because you're obviously not gonna get the same kind of recovery from your body. So if you are programming your workouts, um, then you know that you're not gonna get a a, a PR per se every day. You might improve, which can be a strength thing, but also can be a quality and competence in movement, right? Like if I squat long enough, not only does my squat numbers go up, but my ability to squat will probably improve. That doesn't mean net net, I put that much more muscle onto my legs, right? So you have to understand why your numbers go up, right? Not necessarily is it a strength thing. You might just be more confident in your exercise. Second part of that question is like, what should you do when you're not? Well, that's exactly what your program should look like, the not expectation of going up every week. You can probably figure out how to dose your workouts. And what I mean by that is, well, do I go up in reps first or do I go up in weight first, right? Or some combination of both. Uh, or do I decrease rest time or do I increase rest time? Do I take some exercises off the table? Right? Do I add some exercises? So depending on what, you're, what output you're looking for, 
will help like dictate what input you do. So it could be I want to improve my bench and I can do 135 nine times, but for two sets and by the third set, it's really only seven reps. Well, should I had gone from nine at 135 to seven at 140 and maybe four at 145? Some would argue yes, but that is not as um, sustainable to do because we know our workouts aren't always gonna give us 100%. Sometimes we just get in there and we just do it because we need to do it, right? So expectation is flawed. You're not gonna have a PR every workout or every time you step into the gym. And when you get more fit, well, the distance between those PRs actually get a lot longer, right? It might take you a year and a half to put five pounds on your back squat or on your bench press. It's just not a, it's not a level of infinity that we're paying with. It's like, it is finite, right? We will be hitting a point in which we've accomplished our ceiling and now we're just adding longevity into our bank account, our fitness bank account. That makes sense? Cool. That was, that, was, that was a meathead question by you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Chef 09, okay. Um, but yeah, that's it. It was a quick little Q&A. Look forward to seeing you guys next week. We're gonna have somebody on the show, I think. That's the best ones, right? I'll catch you guys later. See you next Tuesday.